paragraph that we dealt with in our Lord's Day message this week talks about how the world's just not going to like us if we're living out the role the Lord has assigned us. Well, there's a paragraph, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21, who says a lot about that role, and that's where I'm going to go today. I'm Pastor Russell Howard, and this is Beyond the Notes. Okay, one thing I've got to disclaim right off the bat to keep you from having to email me and remind me of this, I'll just kind of let you know that I know it. You don't have to have 2 Corinthians to understand the Gospel of John. You and I can both know that. However, there are always opportunities to allow Scripture to clarify Scripture and to highlight and amplify the point that Scripture is making. The uh, last paragraph, the last section of the Gospel of John, chapter 15, deals with uh, the expectation that we are going to encounter hostility from the world as we live out faithfulness to Christ and the role to which he has assigned us as, as representatives of, of his gospel message in the lost world. In the message yesterday, I, I used as part of my introduction, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 20, and the assignment that we are ambassadors for Christ. And that word picture uh, sort of featured heavily in how I framed the uh, paragraph of John's gospel that I talked through last Lord's Day. Well, for this episode of Beyond the Notes, I want to pull back and refocus on that very paragraph of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 is is a, a truth-dense paragraph. Now, I know it's all the Word of God, and God is speaking in all of it. Uh, that being said, there are some particularly uh, rich paragraphs in Scripture, and this is one of them, where, where every, every verse in the paragraph touches on a specific truth. And I'm not going to read the whole paragraph. This is not another Sunday morning message. I am going to go through it and, and touch on five really, really foundational things that are, that are characteristics and consequences of our salvation in this, in this paragraph to which I alluded on the Lord's Day. Uh, he's leaning back into an argument he's made in the previous paragraph that basically says that because Christ has died for us, we who follow him should, should be prepared to also lose our lives into his, whether we, whether we die for our faith or not, that our life is to be lost in the life of Christ. He begins with a therefore sentence in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Um, the, the principle there is the, the principle of our regard, that we, we look at life differently because we've looked at Jesus differently. And our view of humanity around us is greatly affected. Our perspective on people is greatly affected because we have come to Christ. Our regard. Verse 17 touches on our regeneration. Regeneration simply means new birth. It's exactly the idea that Jesus was, was talking through when he spoke with Nicodemus back in John 3. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
you know, we, we talk a lot around here about salvation being both in all, in all cases permanent, where it actually occurs, and in all cases transformative, <clears throat> where it actually occurs. This verse is affirming that. Notice this verse that speaks to our regeneration does not command the believer to become a new creature. It states as fact that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, reborn, regenerated. The paragraph also speaks to our reconciliation in verses 18 and the first part of 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. <clears throat> the great mercy of God in that, in that reconciliation. I still, uh, and, and I get teased about this by my, by my younger friends, and I've got a few of those. I still maintain a separate check register and still go through the laborious process once a month of reconciling my bank statement against my check register. And when asked, I think by one of my adult sons, why do I still do that? I, my response was, so if I've got any, if the bank has made any errors, I catch them and make them fix them. And he smiled and he said, dad, when's the last time the bank made any error? And I think I've had a checking account since the seventies and I don't think the bank has ever made an error, but that's not the point. Reconciliation is a discipline that I very much enjoy on a personal level, and it's a picture of God taking what's wrong in us and declaring it right so that we could be right with him. You can't just reconcile something without dealing with the errors that are there. And so he has dealt with the errors that were present in us, and he does not count our trespasses against us. That's the principle of reconciliation. And then the principle that I made much of in this most recent message, our role in uh, the end of 19 and into verse 20. And he is entrusted or entrusting to us, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, I love, love, love that role of ambassador as a picture of, of who we are, the uh, representatives of Christ to the world, and what we do, we implore lost humanity, we beg with passion lost humanity to be made right with God by his grace through faith, by repenting of their sin and turning to him. I like the picture of ambassador because an ambassador is not a salesman. He does not... He does not concern himself over much with closing the deal as much as he concerns himself with delivering the message faithfully. And certainly the ambassador will have passion for outcomes. He wants things to go well because he has delivered the message. But that's not his first responsibility. We as truth-telling evangelistic ambassadors, of course, we desire that people come to faith in Christ. But the outcome of their eternity is not our stewardship. Faithfulness with the gospel is our stewardship. We are ambassadors, not salespeople. We are ambassadors, not life coaches. Oh, my stars. When I hear, especially those who uh, are committed to vocationally teaching God's word and, and shepherding people, when I hear them describe themselves as life coaches, I just 
cringe. Look, I'm not, I'm not here to coach your life. I'm here to teach the word of God and God, the Holy spirit will lead you to truth in his word. Um, life coach is a very different thing. I suppose if one's life needs coaching, our role is that of the ambassador. And then finally, our righteousness. Look, we're going to stand before God, and you and I have both accumulated a very, very, very heavy sin debt. And if that sin debt is not resolved, we're really in trouble when we stand before a God who is definitionally committed to extraordinarily perfect, in fact, holiness and righteousness. And so if we stand before him and all we've got is our own track record for our righteousness, we are literally going to cook for eternity. We need righteousness when we stand before the judge of all the world. And so verse 21, a verse that I quote or paraphrase all the time, says, For our sake, for our sake, you ought to treasure that. For our sake, he made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. The one who did not know sin at all experientially was nonetheless caused to bear the burden of the reality of our sin on the cross. And here it comes, so that in him we might become, become the righteousness of God. When I stand before God one day, he's going to declare me innocent. And he knows I'm not, and I know I'm not. But what he's going to be looking at when he declares me innocent is the interposed, the place between us record of the absolutely righteous Son of God, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a message worth being ambassadorial about, and it's our message to the world. Hey, that's a, that's a paragraph from 2 Corinthians that ties, I think, closely to the themes of this current section of the Gospel of John we've been studying. I hope you found it edifying, and I hope by now you're, you're liking and sharing this podcast, and we look forward to being to you on the next episode, or being with you on the next episode of Beyond the Notes.